Praise God. You know, as I said, I, I watched a couple sessions, and, and one of them that I actually watched was um, um, Brother Copeland. You know, I, I want to call him Reverend Copeland, but everybody calls him Brother Copeland. That man of God is a mighty man of God. Amen. Some of the stories that, <clears throat> that he told, and he, he really, I think in one of the sessions, opened himself up and said things that I've never heard before um, about his life. Um, some of the, the challenges, some of the things, disobedience and what it cost him and how God came in and his mercy and grace. Um, in, in another one of the sessions, he had also talked about um, you know, that there was coming in the body of Christ in 2022. Um, I don't want to call it judgment, but he said some people are going to be going home early. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, don't be surprised, it's, it's going to be unexpected, but some people are going home early. Um, and I was like, oh my goodness, <clears throat> you hear stuff like that, it kind of, you know, it startles you because you're like, geez. He said, ministers, you need to do stuff right. People, you need to do things right. And then I went back and I, you know, I wasn't really looking for it. I was just kind of scanning through my notes, um, you know, in, in my phone. And I recognized that Randy, Reverend Randy Greer just said something similar back in November. He, he said that ministers, you're going to be sifted as wheat. Um, not, not only ministers, but the congregation. <clears throat> as I read those two things, and, and, and as I know that there are two prophets, and they're not necessarily speaking together, and when they speak like that, you listen. You take a step back and you listen. And, and you, you recognize that um, there's things that have to change. And there are things that we, as the body of Christ, can no longer mess around with. Because we are coming into a time where the glory and the power of God is going to be poured out. And God is not looking, he's looking to use everybody, um, but everybody must be strong enough to be used. Yeah. You see? Because the work that has to be done, it's almost like, you know, you know if you're mentoring somebody or, or you have an apprentice with you, sometimes with all the training, you know, my wife will come in and, you know, like I'm an apprentice, right, to her cooking. So she, she kind of walks to the door, you know, she says, okay, I said, what do you need? You know, you know, well, you know cut up the carrots, okay, and, and I'm doing my thing. She's like, forget it, just, that's okay, I'll, I'll handle it. <clears throat> because cause she's an expert at doing certain things, right? You know, same thing, you know, I know, you know, Reverend Rob, you know, has got guys, you know, who might be working for him as an electrician. There's sometimes you, you, you just got to do it yourself because there's no, t and, and it's faster to get the job done because you're doing it yourself because you have the expertise, right? Well, just imagine that you have, you know, seven billion people on the planet who need to hear the gospel, who need workers to work and go out there, and half of the workers aren't equipped. Right. You know, I would rather have less, you know, workers who are more proficient in what they're doing and so they can get the job done faster. Yes, right? So in what Brother Copeland was saying, it's sobering because it means that God is saying, there is a certain degree or level of correction that is coming to the body. Now, I don't like talking about judgment, and I don't like talking about correction. I like the happy stuff, right? But this is a sober thing. It means that we have to take stock of our lives and what we've been doing up to now. And the things which we got by with previously, we're not going to get by with anymore. It's like Gideon and, you know, come to, I think it was, what, 32,000 or whatever, or 30,000, and he dropped it down to, a 300? God needs those who are proficient. He needs those who, who exercise faith, who know how to operate in the things of the Spirit, who are skillful in ministry, skillful in, in applying. I remember Brother Copeland said this. He said one of the things he learned, he learned faith by, from, from, from Kenneth Hagin. But when he was with, um, uh, I think it was Oral Roberts, he said he learned how to operate with such, such skillfulness in ministering with faith. Ministering by faith. He said he was, a, he was a, 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 a tactician. The way he was an expert, the way he utilized his faith, Oral Roberts. And I thought, that's really interesting. You know, it's almost like I remember reading something about Brother Hagin. He, he said that um, when the anointing used to come upon him, a special anointing that later came on in, in, in his life that was stronger, tangible, and it stayed. But early in his life, it used to just come and go off. And he said when it would come on, he would go... And he said, all of a sudden, it's like the power just hit him. You know, it's like a gift of faith. The power just hit him. And he would just go and just, 
Lay hands on everybody, right, right in the front. And they'd all fall out in the power because the power of God was tangible. It's, it's a substance. It's a heavenly materiality. It can be transferred. It can be transmitted, okay? And that anointing fell on him, and he went and he just touched everybody, and he just fallen out. Well, the Lord then corrected him on it after he did it a few times. And he recognized that he was not being skillful with the anointing. The anointing was there for healing people. But because the anointing was on him, he thought, just release it. Just release it. I can feel it. I got to release it. So just go through. And anybody's there. Just lay hands on them. Doesn't matter what. Just lay hands on them. They fell out under the power. I don't want to say it's almost like wasting the anointing. But it's not being proficient in you, in, 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 in skillful in exercising that gift. And what God is looking for is skillfulness in exercising our gift. And, and he's not only looking for that. But he's looking for skillfulness in character. I, I say in scripture, there's two kind of things you see in scripture, right? Yeah, I mean, you can take a bunch of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in there. But it boils down to two things, power and character. You're gonna out, power and character. You're going to see a lot of it. Power and character, okay? All throughout the scriptures, right? In everything you're reading, you're going to see power and character. If you're lopsided on one side of it, you're never going to be proficient. If you're lopsided in power, there have been ministers, mighty ministers of God. I'm not going to you know, tell you who they are. You, you probably know them anyway. But um, back in, the, in the, the healing revivals and voice of healing in the, the 50s, 60s, um, there was one who was at the head of that thing as an evangelist. Mighty man of God. They said you go to his meetings and stuff would happen. He was rivaling Oral Roberts in terms of his tent meetings and the size of his tents and what was going on. God told Brother Hagin to tell him to correct himself on his attitude um, on his love walk with the brethren, yeah. on his diet, because he said the man would shove anything in his mouth. You know, so he had to correct himself on his diet. So it was his love walk, it was his diet, um, and, and, and it was something else. But it, he, oh yeah, that's his temper. He, he was a really kind of rough guy. And God said, tell him he needs to correct himself on that. Um, he didn't correct himself on that. And what ended up happening was he came off the scene early. Branham. Branham was at the forefront. And you know Branham because it's been mentioned for, it doesn't matter, it was Jack Cole, but, you know, he's long gone. But, you know, brother, you know, brother Branham was at the forefront of the prophet's office. He stood at the forefront of a prophet's office. So when I say he stood at the forefront, you take Brother Hagen, who are like, you know, that's a, that's a great example. He was at the forefront. Branham was at the forefront of the prophet's office. Yeah. Right? So he flowed. They say some of the miracles that used to happen, the creative miracles that would happen in his meetings were astounding astounding. But what ended up happening to him? Pride got in. Because where he was a manifester of God's glory and presence, he was not a teacher and expounder of the word of God. He was not skillful in that. So his ministry was more along the lines of manifest the power. So you might read a couple of scriptures, say a couple of things, and he begins to do. Our, you know, spiritual mother, you know, long pastor, a friend of a good friend of ours, and, you know, Ronnie, she was the same way. She never taught a lot of, you know, I'm listening to her teach, she's not a teacher, right? But she takes the scripture and all of a sudden she says a few things and they said, okay, someone's deaf. Okay, someone is, you know, blind. Okay, someone is, and all of a sudden these people are standing up and they're getting healed. A manifester of the glory, a manifester of the power, okay? Branham was like that. And you would think that God needed him. He would need him. When Brother Hagen was tired and he said, I want to go home, the Lord said, no, no, you can't, come, you can't come just yet. God needs him. When Dr. Dufresne said, you know, uh, you know it's like maybe I'll just kind of you know, retire now and settle down and do whatever, God said, if you, you better not or else. Because God invests in us. Sometimes we think it's just about coming to church, sitting down, doing our thing, going home, and, you know, let's go to church the next time. You know, I, I got down on my knees, I prayed today, and God is, listen, God, I did you a favor. You know, you're pleased with me, right? Or even those who come and say, no, Lord, I really love you, and, you know, they do their thing and come back to church, and, you know, <sighs> there's a seriousness. I, I, think it was, um, I think it was your wife I was talking to one day, and, and she said, I can't believe people, how disobedient people can be. How they're talking about God as though he's this buddy, this friend. He is God. He is God. 
Who are we to tell him no? Just because he loves us, just because he adores us, just because Jesus died on the cross for us, he is God and he must be reverenced. It's shocking to me sometimes when I watch people. You know, I, I hear Reverend Taylor talk about it all the time. My back is turned, so I can't see what's going on. But I hear some of the stories after the fact. This one's playing with their phone. This one's, you know, you know doing whatever. This one's, I don't want to say coloring because kids do things, right? And that's fine, right? You know, this one's talking to that one. This one's looking up in the, in the air. This one, you know, hands are full. He is God. There is no other. Speaking things, the beginning from the end. Or the end from the beginning. This is he, who he is. What right do we have to tell him no? It's a little latitude. You know, it's like my parents used to say, give you an inch, you take a foot. Give you a foot, you take a yard. You know, give you a yard, you take a mile. What, what does it mean? It means that you give you a little bit and you look like you want more. So you, get a little, you know, give the kids a little leeway. You, know, you can go to bed at you know, 10 o'clock. You, know, you can watch TV you know, 45 minutes. All of a sudden, it's an hour and a half, and they're going to bed at midnight. Like, what is this? Like, really, what is this? Well, your daddy. Yeah, hey, listen, I know I don't get upset a lot, okay? But come on. You need to you know, correct that. Next day, it's the same thing. I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. When I, when, I, when I get there, I get there, okay? And when I get there, that's it. But it takes very long for me to get there. Okay? The Lord is long-suffering, and he's patient, and he's kind. Long-suffering means he suffers long with us. He's gentle, and he's patient, and he's so loving. He's the most loving father you can ever come across. But he's God. What right do I have to tell him no? What right do I have in the body of Christ... Not to submit to the will of the pastor. What right do I have? When he, God has ordained an order. It is an order that he has put in place in the local body. Yet I think I can do what I want. And I got an opinion. Well, I tried that a long time ago. And I saw what my opinion, opinion you know, ended up with. Right? Your opinions don't matter. Your opinions don't matter. Okay? We are here to serve in the body of Christ. And we have a part to play. This church... Any church that anybody is in, if God has set them there, then he set them there for a purpose. And it's a divine purpose. And it doesn't matter if they clean the toilets, or it doesn't matter if they're ushering, it doesn't matter if they're preaching, it doesn't matter. If God has set them in a place, and they know that place, and they're ordained for that, work in it with all your heart. Do it as unto the Lord, the scriptures tell us. Everything you do, do it as unto God. So why are we arguing about it? Why are we looking to get higher up the rung? You know, there's this corporate thing that, that, that goes through churches and it's in society. It's a capitalist mentality. It's about me, myself, and I. Okay? It's about let me get as far as I can get, as high as I can get, as quickly as I can get. It's a capitalist mentality. And the challenge with that mentality is that we bring it into church. So he's closer, she's closer, you know, they're here, that, you know, so hey, you know, there's now starting a little bit of competition going on. Let me see what I can do to get higher. Everybody wants to know the president. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've been doing this a long time. I know it. Everybody wants to know the president. Okay? Everybody wants to know the highest one on the rung and wants to be known by them. It's human nature. But that nature has got to be submitted to the, to, to, the, to the cross, I'm telling you. We can't do out there or in here what we do out there. That's why the best people, the, the people why you look at me and you know, man, they're, they're just really humble. Or the guys who are the presidents of companies coming in and saying, let me clean the toilet. They got it. They know it doesn't matter as long as they serve. As long as they're serving under the pastor, doing what it is that is required of them. There are things that are required of us saints if we are going to step into what God has called us to do in a mighty way. When you hear prophecy after prophecy, and this isn't in my notes, and I didn't plan on talking about it, but when you hear prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, word after word after word, you know what that, that's happening? It's God saying to you, I am, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Girls, we're going on a trip. We're going on a trip. 
Later this year, I'm going to Jamaica. Whatever. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, get ready. Month goes in. Hey, yeah, we're going on a trip. We're going on a trip later this year, okay? We're going on a trip. All right, you got that? Yeah, yeah, okay. So next month, hey, we're going on a trip. It's one month away. We're going on a trip, okay? Remember that, going on a trip. All of a sudden, a month comes, we're about to go on a trip. I have to work. You didn't tell me anything. That's what we act like in church. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy, word after word after word after word. And we think it's way down there. And we don't recognize that there is a develop, developing process, a development that must occur along the way to get us in the position to flow in that stuff. You're not going to flow in it if you don't get prepared for it. This ain't too harsh for you, is it? I got to talk plainly because Brother Copeland scared me. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, when I heard them, I'm like, jeez, Lord. I get stuff in order, man. There's, there's stuff I got to fix. I, what is it I'm missing, Lord? Where am I missing? I, I'm like, Lord, Lord, I love you. Lord, what is it I'm missing? Please tell me. Why? Because I want to be a part of the greatest move that's ever occurred on this planet. It is the greatest move that has ever occurred. It's coming. And it's closer today than it was yesterday. And it is not that far away. It ain't two decades away. The prophets are speaking. And if you understand anything about prophets, they are the voice of God to the church. They will know what's going on, what the mind of the Holy Ghost is for the body. Local, corporate, they got a sense of it and they pick it up because God has them as a mouthpiece to say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. He does nothing before he tells his prophets. And then they begin to speak. And guess what you do when you hear the prophet speak? You begin to speak. That's what the prophet does. He speaks, you speak what he speaks, and God gets his plan done. When you speak against what he spoke, guess what happens? It ain't come to pass for you. God will use somebody else. So he has spoken. And the reason he's spoken is because he's saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. There's an explosion coming. Amen. Who was it, that, that guy who saw the, the sleeping giant coming up? Um, Hicks. Tommy Hicks. Had a vision. Saw a sleeping giant coming up. And he said, you know, I, I, I saw it. And he, it was, he, the giant was, had put his foot on one part of, one, one part of the, the planet, foot on another part of the planet. And he was rising up. And there's all these little things. He was trying to get up. He was trying to get up. All these little tiny things were on him. He was trying to get up. Finally, the, the glory case shook him off. And he got up and he stood up. It was a picture of the church. Do you want to be, want to be included in that revival? Okay. Well... I call this message, Righteous Requirement. Are you fit for the master's business? Are you fit for the master's business? In Jude, verse 3, it says this, Beloved, my whole concern was to write to you in regard to our common salvation. But I found it necessary and was impelled to write you and urgently appeal to and exhort you to contend for the faith, which was once for all, handed down to the saints. The faith which is that sum of Christian belief which was delivered verbally to the holy people of God. Contend for the faith. We must contend for the faith. You know, some of you guys used to, you know, before you, you got married, used to contend for your, your wife. You'd date her, you'd court her, you know. If she required flowers, you'd give her flowers. If she required candy, you'd give her candy. If, if she required you, you know, going out and taking her out, you'd take her out to dinner. And some of you guys landed her and stopped it. Now, if she set the tone beforehand that's, that, well, that's what she wanted, you needed to continue it. If she said it that that ain't what she want, then, you know, it's between you and her whether you started or not. But, but if, if she set the tone and you, 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 you got her, you got this wife. You got the one that you wanted. And now, you know how many guys do that? You know how many unsaved men do that with Christian women? They deceive them into marriage. And you got the pastor saying, don't marry that one. Don't marry that But he's so nice. Don't marry that one. He's got a nice body. Don't marry that one. You know, but he takes me out. 
Don't marry that one. And once he's got her, that's it. He no longer has to contend. He's got her. See? So Jesus says, come. The Holy Ghost woos us with the word of God. It's preached to us, and he woos us. And every one of you have come to God in salvation. You've felt that tugging in your heart when you didn't know him, that gentle, sweet pulling that was drawing you as an unbeliever, coming to him. And you said, that pulling is so sweet. It's so peaceful. It's so gentle. He is the Son of God. I want him. And you step into the kingdom, and you stop contending for the faith. Some of us go a little bit further. And we live a wonderful life for him, and all of a sudden, we get baptized in the Holy Ghost, because that's what we were waiting for. Finally, we're talking in tongues. Talking in tongues for a few months, a gift, a supernatural gift, a phone, direct line into, into God. And you put it down. You don't do it anymore. You struggle to do it. You do it once a month. You stop contending. Some of us go a little bit further and we start serving in the body of Christ. I got I to gotta make it plain. Okay, I, I got to make this plain. Because I think sometimes if we sugarcoat it, people aren't getting it. Right? There comes a time, just got to lay it out there, lay it out so you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, that's me. It is what it is. That's me. Right? And I got to change, I gotta, but that's me. You know, I'm going to walk, you know, I've had some ministers, some prophets before, kind of, you know, say something to me. And it's so vague and ambiguous that I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what they're talking about. Yeah. Right? I'm like, just tell me. Just tell me what it is. I know you know, and I know you're trying to tell me. Just tell me I ain't serving God properly. All right. I got to fix that. You tell me, you know, brother, there's things that could be happening more in your life if you kind of, you know, moved along the path. I don't get it. <laughs> you know? And I'm saying, Lord, what is he talking about, right? i got to break it down for you. We must contend for the faith. No longer can God, can God have a body that is weak, disheveled, confused, and where he's pouring and he's talking the same thing over and over again. God requires saints, I'm not going to like this one, holiness from his church. You see, the old saints had it right. Listen, I'm guilty just as you, right? So don't feel bad, all right? I, I gotta stop, you know, I don't watch bad stuff, but you know, sometimes like when the Holy Ghost says, don't watch it, I'm like, well, why not? There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing, I don't see anything. But there's a spirit upon the movie. Yeah. Sure. You can feel it. Yeah. You can feel I'm like, oh, you know, I'll pray in tongues later. Or, you know, you know, it's, like, it's, it's good action, you know, look at the car goes over, you know, whatever. And it, listen, I've been there. <laughs> um, holiness. The saints in the 20s and 30s in the Pentecostal movement in the early days in the Assemblies of God, they got it right. You know, sometimes they went a little bit overboard, you know, with rejecting people who, you know, weren't perfect because we're never going to reach perfection. But I guess I tell you what, you need to try. <laughs> you need to try. And you have to continue on. You need to try. And if you fall down, you need to try. You see? They didn't go to movies. They didn't watch a lot of TV. They spent a lot of time in prayer. Spent a lot of time in the house of God. Spent a lot of time in the Word. And the moves of the Spirit that occurred as a result of them knowing 10% of what we know today was phenomenal. Phenomenal. The Holy Ghost would show up where people get convicted sitting in their seats. Why? Why? Because there was holiness. God requires it. He is a holy God. He is God. Settle it in your heart and your mind that he sees everything. That he knows everything. And when he puts down his hand and says, judgment. That's what happened to Branham. That's what happened to him. He was warned. Gordon Lindsay went out to warn him. Three times. Once he called him, he disappeared. The next time he called him, he said, okay, you know, I'll meet me in such and such. Gordon Lindsay shows up. He, he's gone. Third time, 
He says, I'm going to go meet him. I know where he is. Talks to him. He said, what's going on? Right? What's going on? He goes, well, you need to stop. And he goes, not going to do it. Not going to do it. I like teaching. And he was confusing the body. If you read some of his stuff, it's heresy. Really. But he was still manifesting. He had the, the, the armor of Aaron on. He had the anointing on. He was covered by it. And he was protected by it for a season. And then God said, enough. He took him out of the scene. How did he do that? He just went like this. The devil was after him. The devil is after every minister, every saint, every Christian. The devil is after. The only thing that prevents you, stops between you and eternity before your time, is God. Because the quicker that he can get you out of this, this place, the better off he is. Some of you he wants to keep longer because you're not doing anything. And some of you, not necessarily in this place, are so backslidden that you give a testimony of Christ that is disgusting, disgraceful, and wrong. And that's what the devil wants, so he just loves it. So he said, let that one say a little bit. He's doing my work and he doesn't even know it. He thinks he's born again. Holiness. So what happened to Brandon? He's driving home one day, driving, all of a sudden, drunk driver comes from across, into his lane, bang, smash. Goes out the window, his wife goes out the window, his son's behind him in the vehicle, sees what happened. You've heard the story. You know, he, he comes out, he, he's lying there, his son comes and said, oh my goodness, you know, dad, dad, mom's dead. Take your hand, put it in my hand. Take her hand, put it in my hand. He takes the mom's dead hand, puts it in his hand, she comes back to life, he dies. The anointing, the power. But God, when he's ready and he says enough is enough, enough is enough. And you don't want him to get to that place. He's very patient. I remember, and, and, and listen, don't take this patient that I'm about to tell you and say, okay, yeah, I got the time. You know, this, this guy, you know, Brother Hagen talks about it. I think the man was, I don't know, he's in his 50s or something like that. Um, and Brother Hagen went to lay hands on him for prayer. And God, he said, the first time you ever heard it, he said, the Lord said, take your hands off of him. Put his hands back on him. The Lord said, take your hands off of him. I said, put your, and he goes, Lord, I got to, he goes, hold on a second. He goes, and he said, Lord, well, what's going on? Why do you keep telling me to take my hands off him? He says, I have judged him. He hasn't lived right for two weeks and 30 years. For more than two weeks at a time. He goes, he's going to die. Lay your hands on him, you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Next three days, he'll rejoice to come home. The mercy of God, the patience of God. 30, 35 years. Don't take that as a sign. Because when you're coming closer to the battle, the expectation and, and the need for you to more quickly prepare is there. So you don't have that time. Because the battle's just around the corner. The Lord showed me something several years ago. And I, I couldn't explain it. You know, I'm just sitting there. You know, and just sitting there and just kind of thinking and looking. And all of a sudden, he shows me something. I didn't see it. I just saw it in my spirit. But how he speaks to me is I get revelation of it when he shows me, and I'm like, oh, wow. And it's almost, it's a revelation such as, how does that gift work with me? It's like, I just know, I know, I know, I know. You can't tell me, no, I know. I've seen it, I know what it is, right? It's, it's like a deposit in there. I'm like, wow, and I, I can't shake it off. It's there, I know it's there, right? And what he showed me, and, and the only way he could explain it to me, and he said, this is coming, was, I've mentioned it before, was, you know, those DC comics back in the day? We had the Superman and, you know, Flash and Thor and all these guys on one side. You know, and on the other side over here, you know, you had, I don't know, the bad guys, you know, some of them, I don't know who they are. But, you know, like this. And they're facing, and they're facing off. And the Lord said to me, that's what's coming. I'm like, what? He said, that's what's coming. That's what's coming for the church. There's going to be a face-off between light and darkness like we've never seen before. It's a face-off. They are not backing down. One of us has to back down. It ain't going to be me. Okay? You have to decide whether it's going to be you. And if you're not prepared, it will be you. Because some people think they're actually got it all together until they get on that field and they recognize, I'm out of shape. Bad. <laughs> Coach says, come off. God requires saints' holiness. What time is supposed to finish? Like 8.45? <laughs> it's, God, God requires holiness. Living a holy life begins with an understanding that, understanding that only God is worthy of praise and worship. He is God. 
We live holy by establishing standards of behavior. The Bible is very clear on what we do, what we don't do. 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16 says this. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, meaning as in you didn't know, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Let me tell you, you know many people just read over that scripture? And be holy, for I am holy. Okay, be holy, for yeah, that's wonderful. Oh yeah, what else? You know? Oh no, ignorance. No, okay, Lord, so I won't fornicate anymore. I'm going to go back out and do it again. See? He says, be holy. It's a command. He's not asking you. It's a command. Be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus, Leviticus 20, 22 says this. says this. I'm just going to read it. Leviticus 20, 22 to 24. You can write it down and read it later. But it says, you shall therefore, this is God telling his chosen people as they're going in the land, going into their inheritance, going into their promised land, going into what they're going to get, what they've been waiting for. He says this. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my ordinances and do them. That the land where I'm bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out as it did those before you. He's saying this. Situations, the enemy will expel you out of a place. And I didn't have anything to do with it. The land will vomit you out. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be on the end of that. There is, saints, a righteous requirement. There are standards for living. Go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Father, we praise you. We worship you and we magnify you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. You are great, Lord, and greatly to be praised. You are a holy God. We reverence you. We adore you. We obey you, Father. We obey you. The, the life of, a, of faith requires obedience to the entire Bible, not just parts of it. And we must major on both of them. There was a lady. Her name was um, Cornelia Newsom. Now, I found out about her because Brother Hagen mentioned her and that she had a book, The Life of Faith. And he said, it's a great book, right? So I, I went and, and I decided to look up the book and started, started reading it. She said this in, in the book. And this is from Proverbs 26.6. I put it in the New Living Translation. It says this. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darling swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. It's in Proverbs 26.2. She says this about that. All that is not of life, health, strength, soundness, comfort, purity, and holiness is of the curse. God says there is a place where the curse cannot come or stay. Redemption in Christ Jesus. According to God's word, if the curse in any form or degree clings to us, there is a cause for it. To find the cause is necessary that we may be able to remedy it. If any of the curse whether it is disease, weakness, pain, sorrow, depression, or sadness clings to us, it is because the old things are not all passed away. Think about this. Now, this lady has something like rheumatoid arthritis since she was like a baby. So literally, she couldn't go up and downstairs since she was like a little kid, right? She had so many different sicknesses and diseases, and at 71 years, she's talking about this stuff because she got healed at 27 or something like that. God miraculously healed her as she believed him. And never had a problem after that. Never had a problem after that. Interesting there, isn't it? You ever wonder? The Lord showed me this. He talked to me about this one time. I'm like, Lord, why is that happening? Why did that happen? Why did that happen? I'm a stickler for if something happens, I got to know why. I got to know why. You got to show me. And sometimes it's taken me months 
for God to reveal it to me. A couple of times it's taken years. And, he fi- and I finally got the revelation of it. Oh, that's what it was? If you're going through problems, saints, and you're standing on the word, you're exercising your faith, check out what it is that God told you to do that you didn't do. Check out your behavior. Check and see if there's something that God had spoken to you about that you just ignored it. Brother Copeland said he was on his way. Actually, he was, you know, he was born again. He was even preaching. He was doing stuff. Um, and he was on his way to um, um, Oral Roberts. God had told him to go to Oral Roberts school, right? And he, he said, okay. And then there was another minister, another minister, who said, why don't you come here? Why don't you come to my school? He goes, I can teach you this. I can do this. I can do whatever. So he decided, hey, I'm going to go there. Well, on his way there, as he packed up, he was in, the, he was in the, you know, the, the, the sessions just now. On his way, as he packed up, you know what ended up happening? He said he met into an accident. The accident was so bad that he said, when he looked at it, Gloria's head should have been, her skull should have been crushed because he looked at the dent in the car. He said his son, John, I think, was in the back on a pillow, flew under the seat, okay? And it was, wasn't, wasn't a good outcome, okay, for, for, for the child, right? Um, he should have been dead. Steering wheel should have gone through it. But, but yet, God healed him. And then God said, well, his, his father said, why don't you come with me? Why don't you come with me to Earl Roberts for, the, for this thing? Long story short, God healed them all, but he finally got into the flow where he belonged. You see? And at Oral Roberts University, there's so much that he learned. And he flew with him. And he drove him around. He got the anointing. Because God had a plan for him, saints. He had a plan for him. There's things going on in your life that you don't like. Check out the fork in the road. See, I got to do it. Things God told me to do, I'm still getting you know, through it. And I'm about almost through it. But it's like, I told you not to do that. I told your wife to tell you not to do that. <laughs> And I, yeah, I know, I, am, I know, Lord. You know, you can laugh there, you look back at it, right? But, but it's a lesson. And you would rather learn the lesson, not learn that lesson. Just obey. Just obey. Okay? So I said, turn to Ephesians 4. I'll close soon. Um, it says this. Um, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Several things. I want you to get a list over the next things I'm going to say over the next seven or eight minutes or so. It's going to be quick, but get your list. Write these things down. Good, bad, and the ugly, okay? And don't put the ugly as, you know, some person you don't like. Right? Just, you know, just don't do that. Put the good, bad, and the ugly. You put the ugly whatever you want, but good, bad, and the ugly. And, and this is going to help you to see what walking in holiness really looks like. Lowliness and gentleness. That's on the good side. Long-suffering. It's on the good side. These are characters of, of God, too. Bearing with one another in love. It's on the good side. Keeping the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It's on the good side. See? Those are all on the good side. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to drop down to verse 20. Um, There are some things that happened prior to that. There weren't very good things. And then he says this, But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. There is a requirement. Then he says this, okay, in verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying. Oh, it's just a white lie. Please explain to me the difference between a white lie and a black lie, because I don't know. Oh, it's just a little lie. Explain to me the difference between a little lie and a big lie. I don't know. A lie is a lie. End of story. There's no justification. Right? It says, putting away lying. I can guarantee you, if I said, I'm not going to do that, because y'all might get mad at me. Okay? But this is something that people just gloss right over. You know, I told a story, okay, I embellished. It's a lie. I told you I was doing this when I was doing that. It's a lie. Putting away lying. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 says this. There, there are six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look 
which is the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. Pride. He hates it. Okay? A lying tongue. Then he goes on, hands that shed innocent blood, manufactures wicked thoughts and plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies under oath. And he who sows, sows discord among his brethren. So, any of that fit, fit you? Anything there that kind of, you know, you fall in that category? You need to repent. It's that simple. You need to repent. Let me go back. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Doesn't mean you have to tell everybody everything, right? Because it's not everybody's business. People take that and think, I've got to tell you everything. And I'm not telling you everything. You know, I'll tell you what I want to tell you, right? But there's no need to lie about it. You're not comfortable saying, saying it, so I'm not comfortable right, saying that. That's fine. But lying is something that God doesn't want. We have to put that away. It's a character issue, right? Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, verse 26, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Now you know what not to do. If you're angry over something, if something is challenging you, don't go to bed angry. If you keep doing that, it will eventually, eventually turn into bitterness. And then you have a bigger problem on your head. Okay? Don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You have to repent, forgive people, and move on. And I, listen, I'm, I'm not going to get into the details of this, okay? Because, well, if, if he hit me, do I have to forgive him? No, call the police. He has no right hitting you. Okay? It's common sense. Right? I'm talking about the little things, right? And even some of the bigger things, but there is a, there is a, there's a word here. There's something that we've got to follow, saints. Verse 27. It says, nor give place to the devil. And you do that through that and other things. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. What are, you, what are you taking from the office that doesn't belong to you? You know, so I'm going to try to end this on a good note. <laughs> you know, um, uh, who was it? Um, um, John Lake had a man come up to him one time. And every time the man came in line, he laid his hands on him and the man wouldn't get healed. Went away. Two or three times, he comes back. Third time, John Lake says to him, what is this $25,000, whatever, that keeps popping up every time I lay hands on you? And he said, hmm. He said, well, I think it was 25K. He said, well, um, the only thing I know of is, you know, I had a business. My brother died. and No, I think it was less than that. I think it was like 5K. Because my brother died, and, you know, I did a lot of extra work. So I split the money with his widow, his half, but I took out some for the extra work that I did. And, it's legitimate. He did extra work. He had his business. His brother passed away. He split it with his wife, his brother's wife, the widow, and he kept some back for himself because he did do extra work. Lake said, go write her a check. The man wrote the check and he got healed, putting it into the mailbox. God doesn't see things the way we see them. He's a holy God. We've got to think about that. These stories are very sobering. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What is a corrupt word? 1 Peter 3.10 says this, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit or guile. Gossip. Gossip. Okay? Talking about somebody who's not there. Gossip. Okay? Lying about them. Deceiving other people. Them, trying to get them to be your friend and you're talking about them. I didn't like her dress. Then it looked nasty. Oh, you know, he stunk. You know, gossip. And we dress it up, put on some lipstick on that thing, Get the hair done, right? And we say, it's okay. It's looking good. You know, it's gossip. No matter how you dress it up. Right. Are you talking about each other in this place? Good. I know some of you are. Listen, I'm, 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 I'm just uncovering everything, okay? Yeah. Are you speaking about one another negatively? I got so many scriptures here. I'm not even getting through 25% of them. 
about this topic and about this stuff and things that say exactly what I'm talking about. It's got to stop, saints. Character. I keep saying that. I've always said this. God can drop gifts on anybody anytime. He cannot change your character like that. He can drop an anointing on you to do anything anytime. He cannot change your character like that. It's fruit. It must be developed. You must develop it. Gossip. There's another scripture that talks about factions. And it says something similar. You know what factions are? It's a little, when a little group in a big group goes and decides that they're going to talk about something and do, do things their own way, and they rebel. Yeah. It's a clique, yeah. is another name for it. Any cliques exist in here? Got to let them go. Yeah. Telling you, the love walk, what God is requiring of us, is going to take some cutting of the flesh. But the glory on the other end of that, there is nothing, I'm telling you, there is nothing greater than when you operate in the anointing. When you stand in an office and that anointing comes and you start to go, it's like, it's, it's the coolest thing because you're flowing in something that you didn't, it didn't originate with you. It just, you're just kind of going with it. And you can feel it. Okay? You know when it starts to wane. You know when the people are receiving. You know when they're, 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 they're not receiving when they are receiving. You can feel it. If you're skillful in it. There's nothing greater than when God's glory shows up and his peace rests in a place. Or it rests in your home. There's nothing greater when God starts to talk to you. And you start to partake and, and to do things out there for him. And you see the joy in people's face as they get set free, delivered and healed. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. I'm going to end with this. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that is good necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So you know what you've got to talk about. If it's not imparting grace to somebody, forget about it. Um, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all, verse 31, bitterness. Well, how many are bitter? My husband said this to me 10 years ago, and I haven't forgotten it. My wife said this to me last week, and I ain't talking to her. My friend said this to me, and he, didn't, he went with the other friend, and I don't like it, so you're not my friend no more. So you throw away a divine relationship yeah. over something stupid. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger. I'm not going to go into wrath, but I, I know what wrath feels like. Um, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you, from you with all malice. And be kind to one another. See, there's two lists you should have been writing here, okay? You know the negative. You can hear them. And be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one, one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Saints, I'm done. You got to walk the talk. Or is it talk the walk? Is it walk the talk? Walk the talk. Right? You are born again, blood washed. Mighty in God. Many of you filled with the Holy Ghost. Do not be a hypocrite to what's going on inside of you. Take the character and focus on character this coming year. Focus on the things that you need to change, you need to fix, you need to adjust for Christ. Do it as unto God. Because I promise you, I promise you, as you do that, there will be a flow of the Spirit that will come into this place that will be unmatched from, by anything that we have ever seen before. I promise you, in your own personal life, you will see a flow and a demonstration of the Spirit unlike anything you have ever seen before. You will get up with dreams and visions of things God has shown you. The gifts of the Spirit will begin to manifest in your life in ways that you didn't even imagine. God will use you for His glory. I'm telling you, and I'm telling you prophetically. I know when I'm speaking prophetically. I am telling you, this is what will happen. But you have a part to play. So the question is, how badly do you want it? How badly do you want him? I want him more than anything. Things I got to fix. Things I got to adjust. Things I got to work on. But you know what? I ain't perfect, but I'm pushing for it. My kids and my wife will tell you I am perfect, but I ain't tell them that I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm, not perfect. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I'm working on it. Praise the Lord. Saints, you get anything? Amen, amen. You know...
I, I say this, it is always, it's, an, it's an honor to stand in this pulpit and be able to minister to you. One, I love it because I love ministering, right? I love it. I can feel the anointing. It, 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 I, I get a joy from it. Um, but it's a privilege because you're special. Uh, it's a privilege because I know Pastor Craig doesn't let everybody just stand here. So it's an honor for me to do it, right? But it's such a privilege to be able to allow God, allow God to use me to bless you and to help you. I don't know, Lord, how do I do this? I don't know how to really articulate or explain how precious you are to him and how when he looks at you, there is such adoration and love for you. He instituted the family. And I guess the closest thing I can, I can actually think of is when I saw my babies born, and the joy that filled my heart could bring tears to my eyes. I just looked at them and I was so grateful to God for what he allowed me to have in them. And then when they looked at me as though I was the only thing that existed, it filled my heart with such joy. I, I just kissed them and I kissed them and I kissed them until their face just got red. I kissed them and I kissed them and I kissed them. I just couldn't stop because they filled my heart with such love. That's how God sees you, and that's how he wants you to see him. So I ask you if you're going to do it for him. Just pray this prayer with me. But don't walk out of here and not do it. Rather you not pray, go home and think about it, and then do it in your own time. But if you're going to take the time to pray, take the time to understand that he hears you, he knows what you said, and even though you might forget, he won't. Yeah? Father, in the name of Jesus, let's repeat after me. I come to you boldly, and I ask you to please forgive me for the things that I have said, the things that I've done, for my disobedience, for my disunity in any area. I repent before you, Father, in the name of Jesus. You said if I come to you, you wouldn't reject me. So I thank you now for forgiving me and taking that sin and putting it away from me as far as the east is from the west and remembering it no more. Lord, I desire and I will do better. I will work on my character. I will engage and work utilizing, activating and walking in the fruit of the Spirit. I will watch what I say and I will watch what I do because I will be here when the glory falls. I will be here and be an active member in this body and in your corporate church and I will see you and I will be caught up to meet you. Thank you, Father, for this privilege to serve you in excellence. Amen.